This morning's scripture reading is taken from Isaiah chapter 39. At that time, Marduk Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah letters and a gift because he had heard of his illness, illness and recovery. Hezekiah received the envoys gladly and showed them what was in his storehouses, the silver, the gold, the spices, the fine olive oil, his entire armory and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked, What did those men say and where did they come from? From a distant land, Hezekiah replied, they came to me from Babylon. The prophet asked, What did they see in your palace? They saw everything in my palace, Hezekiah said. There's nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied, for he thought there will be peace and security in my lifetime. The word of the Lord. Christy, thank you for reading. Morning, everyone. My name is Matt Fuller. Let me pray again, uh, and then we'll look at um, this last section of... Uh, Isaiah, for the time being. Hey, great God and Father, once again, we, we turn to your word and ask that you would deepen our trust in you. Father, would you uh, rightly help us to see the wisdom of trusting in you, the all-powerful, almighty, sovereign Lord, the folly of trusting in other things. Father, above all, would you deepen our trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and the security we have in him. Father, be at work, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. But I guess the question that chapter 39 of Isaiah throws up is, what do you, in part, what do you want people to see about you? Or, or, or what are you proud of, what you want to display about your life? Now, this is a little while ago, uh, I was invited to dinner with uh, a group of people, and uh, I knew one of the people who was going to be there at dinner uh, was Ian Hislop, you know, editor of Private Eye on the telly, have I got news for you? And I'm not a sort of fan or anything of Ian Hislop, but he's clearly a, he's a bright man, uh, he's a funny man, and, and I guess in my head, even if it's not sort of vocalised, I thought I'd quite like him to like me. Um, and so for the first time in my life, I went and bought Private Eye, uh, and it was fine. Um, and uh, I thought to myself, and what have I been reading recently? Oh, yes, that's, that's, that's good. He, he'd probably be impressed if I uh, tell him I've read that. And, you know, so I, I sort of prepared myself, and I thought, oh, I shall display my impressive, witty, intellectual uh, credentials to this man. And he didn't turn up. And I thought that that was very pathetic. Very pathetic of me, really. But what about you? What do you want to display about your life? What do you want to put on show? Actually, for many of us, it's quite easy. You just go to a, a Facebook page, an Instagram account, and it's there what we want people to see of our lives. This is how I present myself to the world. 
But imagine that perhaps uh, someone you admire uh, bizarrely is going to, you've never met before, is, is going to come and stay with you for a week in London. I don't know, a musician you greatly admire, uh, a, a sportsman, you know, Serena, Will Serena Williams said, I'm going to come and stay in your house for a week or whoever it may be. Uh, and you think, well, what, what do I want to do? What do I want to show them? Who will I introduce them to? Those friends, probably those friends, maybe not. Um, what do I want them to see of my life? What would you put on display? Well, here in Isaiah 39, Hezekiah, the king, the king of God's people, Judah, at this time, he has some visitors that excite him. And uh, I guess the question is the same. What does he want them to see? What is he proud of? And the answer is, when the exciting visitors come to stay, Hezekiah says, look at my stuff. Look at my gold. Look at my silver. Look at my weapons. Look at my stuff in my treasury. Really, the killer question of chapter 39 comes when Isaiah says to the king in verse 4, these visitors, verse 4, what did they see in your palace? And Hezekiah says, they saw my stuff. What I really wanted to show the guests when they came was my wealth, my money. That's what I was proud of. Well, if you are just joining us, we spent a month in uh, just this little block of Isaiah, chapters 36 to 39. And uh, as most of the first half of the book of Isaiah does, this, these four chapters acutely, acutely ask the question, who will you trust? Whom or what will you put your trust in? So if you've been here, chapter 36 really was, uh, who will you trust when your faith is mocked? as the king of Assyria was mocking Israel. Chapter 37, who will you trust when you're surrounded by danger? Uh, last time, chapter 38, this was more of a negative emphasis, don't put your trust in leaders, in politics, even a man as brilliant as Hezekiah, don't put your trust in your political leaders. Chapter 39, really the emphasis is do not put your trust in wealth. Don't put your trust in wealth. Look, we're going to work through it uh, uh, with these, just a couple of questions, then the conclusion, which concludes the passage, but also the whole section, really. So we look at it like this. What did the people see? Verses 1 to 4. What will you be left with? Verses 5 to 8. And there's the concluding question. What will you trust? What did the people see? What will you be left with? So, what will you trust? First of them, verses 1 to 4, what do the people see? Now, a, a, a little step sideways. If you were here last time, we saw chapters 38 and 39. They've been put in the wrong order chronologically. Uh, now, either Isaiah has made a silly mistake, but uh, that's unlikely and got it wrong. But uh, I put a little timeline at the bottom there. You get some sense. We know from these chapters and also from the book of two kings, Hezekiah, he's a good king. In, in the Bible. Really, he's your bronze medal king of the Old Testament. David gets gold, Solomon gets silver, but Hezekiah is your bronze medal. I mean, this is not God speaking. Uh, but in, just in terms of raw chapter numbers and actually the good that he does, he's a good king, Hezekiah. He becomes king in about 726 BC. 15 years later, 711 BC, uh, he's sick, and we're told about that in chapter 38. 
A decade after that, Judah is invaded by the global superpower of the day, Assyria, in 701 BC, but we're told that earlier, chapters 36 and 37. He dies around 696. So these two chapters, 38 and 39, they're in the wrong place. So the major event of his life really is the invasion. His country is invaded, ravaged, but just about manages to survive because Hezekiah trusts the Lord, chapters 36 and 37. And then Isaiah says, let me tell you about events 10 years earlier. And here we are in chapters 38 and 39. Now, so Assyria is the, the global superpower, the, 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 the shadow that looms over the first 39 chapters of the whole book. The whole big question is, what's, what are you going to do when Assyria comes? Well, 10 years before they do, this is what happens. Chapter 39, verse 1. At that time, Marduk Baladan, son of Baladan, no one uses that name. You know, I've never, no one, you know, it's a name, you know, not so popular these days in the 21st century. Let me offer that to you. Anyway, Marduk Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah letters and a gift. Why? Because he'd heard of his illness and recovery. Hezekiah received the envoys gladly and showed them. Well, this is exciting to Hezekiah. He's anxious. Assyria is the big regional superpower about to invade. But Babylon, Babylon's all right. They've got a, you've got a few tanks. They're a useful ally. And they come along and say, hey, we, we heard you almost died and you've got better again and want a bit of a treaty? How about it? You know, you and me, and, you know, maybe we can gang up against Assyria because we're all a bit scared of Assyria, aren't we? Well, this is very appealing, I guess, to Hezekiah. So, verse 2, we're told he received them gladly. They're very flattered. Oh, Babylon, you, you want to do a deal with us? Not, not entirely fair, but, you know, the UK at the moment. Hey, USA, you want a trade deal with us? Oh, thank you very much. We're pretty desperate at the moment for any sort of good news on that front. Anyway, that's sort of a bit more than that. But Hezekiah, he's desperate for some form of alliance. And so what does he do? He wants to show off. At verse 2, he received these envoys gladly. He showed them what was in his storehouses. And you get a little list, the silver, the gold, the spices, fine olive oil, his entire armory. And again, look at these two words. Everything found among his treasures, there was nothing in his palace or in all his kingdom that Hezekiah didn't show them. Shows them everything. I mean, they may have been quite polite guests, but this is the sort of tour you go, oh, show me what's in your house. Yeah, all right. You know, he's showing them everything. Nothing is left. But he wants to impress them. Now, we need to back up a little bit. Chapter 39, verse 1, they've come... Well, because they'd heard that Hezekiah was about to die, and he's recovered. And we looked at that last time. It's worth just glancing back at that. If you turn back a chapter uh, and a page, chapter 38 and verse 1. Page 723, chapter 38, verse 1. Well, we're told Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. He was about to die. He prays to the Lord, and he gets a response Verse 5, God says, this is what the Lord, the God of your father David says, I've heard your prayer and seen your tears. I'll add 15 years to your life. Brilliant. And in a decade's time, I will deliver you in this city from the hands of the king of Assyria. I'll defend this city. Brilliant. Well, God has done that. And Hezekiah knows that God has done that because 
chapter 38, verse 16, on page 74, just over the page again. Hezekiah is so excited, he writes a song about it. And so verse 16, Lord, you restored me to health. Lord, you let me live. It was for my benefit that I suffered such anguish. But in your love, you kept me from the pit of destruction. You put all my sins behind your back. And, and verse 20, here's the killer line. The Lord will save me. And we will sing with stringed in instruments all the days of our lives in the temple of the Lord. Oh, I was about to die but God saved me, and I've written a song about it, and all the days of my life I'm going to sing of the Lord and his goodness and what he's done for me when I was about to die and he saved my life. And then the Babylonians come and they say, yeah, you're about to die and, and, and you've recovered. And Hezekiah says, yes, because the Lord, the Lord, let me tell you, let me sing you my song that I've written. I've shown you everything. Now I'm going to sing you my song. I wrote this song about the Lord. He doesn't do that. He says, uh, yeah, I've recovered. Let me show you my stuff. Look at my gold. Look at my silver. Look at my old spice. Um, look at it. I'll show you everything. And you look at 39 and you think, Hezekiah, when you said you were going to sing of the Lord every day of your life because he'd rescued you, where is he? What's happened? How have you forgotten him so quickly? All the days of our lives we'll sing, apart from, well, the next day. Well, what's happened here? Trust in the Lord. It, it's meant to be a pattern for life, not just in moments of strife. Chapter 36, when he was obviously in trouble, Hezekiah went to Isaiah and said, Isaiah, help. Chapter 39, he seems to be okay. So Isaiah has to go to him and say, Hezekiah, you need help. And you think, oh, Hezekiah, trust in the Lord. It's a pattern for your life. It's not, a moment, it's not just for moments of strife. The Lord is not a lamp to rub when everything else has failed. And you ask the genie for help. So Isaiah, the prophet, comes in verses 3 and 4 and asks these questions of Hezekiah. And they, to my mind, they certainly seem to be a slightly defensive or, or truculent response. Isaiah, the prophet, went to King Hezekiah and asked, um, what did those men say and where did they come from? Oh, from a distant land. They came from Babylon. <laughs> the Babylonians wanted to come see me, you know. And verse 4, what did they see? in your palace. Everything. I saw everything in my palace. There is nothing among my treasures that I did not show you. The same emphasis, same we had in verse 2. He showed everything. There was nothing he didn't show. Hezekiah says, yeah, I showed them everything. There was nothing that I did not show them. Oh, dear. And Isaiah is pointing out to the king, Hezekiah, what's your trust in? You were just about to die, and you know that God saved you, and God promised that in 10 years' time when Assyria invades, he'll protect you. But you're saying now, oh, I've got an ally. Look at my wealth. Look at my treasure. Look at me. Come on, make a deal with me, because I'm so impressive and wealthy. You'll want me. 
as your friend. No mention of the Lord at all. Hezekiah, the only thing you've got is the Lord. That's all you've got. And you already mentioned him. So what about you? What about me? If you take Isaiah's question, what do people see in your life? You see, Hezekiah, he could sing of the Lord one day, but he boasted of money the next. He could trust the Lord on one day, but he trusted politics the next. He could love the Lord one day, but he loved his treasure the next. Question, what do the people around you see in your life? Forgive me if I've mentioned this before uh, in the morning. But as a guy at Midweek in Mayfair, I'll change his name slightly. I'll call him Malcolm. Uh, Malcolm grew up in Nigeria, but at age six, uh, moved to the UK. And uh, he said for the next 22 years of his life, from about the age of six to 28, he lived in the UK and no one spoke to him about Jesus. No one shared anything of the Christian faith with him. But age 28, he, he met a couple, an American couple, and he got to know them a bit, and they prayed for the family, and they told Malcolm and the family about Jesus, and Jesus' death for sinners, and, and Malcolm was a converted man. And, but interesting, when you hear him speak, he says what boggles his mind is for 22 years, no one told him about Jesus. But most acutely, for four years, he ran a business he had two business partners, both of whom would call themselves evangelical Christians. And as Malcolm tells it, they told me of their ethics. They told me of their values. But they never told me about Jesus. I didn't realize he mattered to them. He would say, I saw their desire for money and success and there was a sort of Christian veneer, but I didn't hear about Jesus from them. Question, what do the people see? What do you choose to show people about your life? What do the people see? Verses one to four. And then what will you be left with? So Isaiah goes on, and uh, verses 5, 6, 7, you get the Lord's verdict. Now, I don't think we're to assume that devastation comes upon the, the, the land of Judah just because of this one incident in Hezekiah's life. No, Judah is eventually invaded because of decades of rejecting the Lord. However, let me read again verses 5 to 7. Here's what's going to happen. Isaiah then said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. Oh, and some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you will be taken away and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Oh, devastating loss. Do you notice again, verse 6, what will be taken, verse 6, everything, 
what will be left? End of verse six, nothing. It's the same two things. Hezekiah says, I I showed them everything. There's nothing that I didn't show the people. What will be taken away? Everything. Nothing will be left. Oh. And it will be Babylon that does this to you, Hezekiah. The the people you thought would be your friends, the, the thing that you were trusting to save you from Assyria when Assyria invades, that those people, they're going to take everything. They will leave you with nothing. Because Hezekiah, why would you trust them? Who will you trust, Hezekiah? Babylon? She'll let you down. Who will you trust? Gathered here this morning. Your money, they'll let you down. Parents' money, there's an inheritance on the way, it'll let you down. Future earnings of money. What about health? Maybe that'll be good, good for plenty of years, but at some point in your life, it'll let you down. Your career, which goes well, it'll let you down. Who do you trust? A few months ago, um, Matt Damon was interviewed uh, by Graham Norton, some new film out. No doubt he killed lots of people with his bare hands in it. Uh, but um, a new film coming out. And, um, but he was reflecting on uh, the fact that he'd won an Oscar aged 27, which is pretty young to win an Oscar, isn't it, for uh, Goodwill Hunting. I remember with Robin Williams and uh, Matt Damon was the young maths genius. Anyway, he got an Oscar for the script uh, aged 27. And... Uh, it was sort of a classic sort of interview, you know, wide, oh, ah, funny story, ooh, naked, ooh. Uh, the sort of Graham Norton interview, and, um, uh, but then all of a sudden it got very serious, and he said, so I got the Oscar age 27, and in Matt Damon's words, I had a bit of an epiphany. Let me quote. I thought, imagine chasing that, the Oscar, and not getting it. And finally, in your 80s or 90s, you finally get awarded the Academy Award. And you spend the whole of your life chasing it. And then you realize, what a waste. Because winning an Oscar can't fill you up. If that's the hole you have, that is not the thing that will fill it. So I held Oscar in my hands, and my heart broke for a second, and I imagined an older version of me saying to myself, age 27, where did your life go? What have you achieved? And then it's over. Of course, that's not really a Graham Norton interview. And was just all there going, oh, well, that's profound. Anyway, so-and-so is going to sing us a song. And then move. You see what he's saying? Thank goodness I realized age 27, I could have been spending my whole life thinking, if only I have this, 
Then, and, but I got it age 27 and thought, oh, that's it. What will you be left with if you trust money, health, career, whatever it may be? But the only one who will not let you down is the Lord. What is of lasting value? Made me think of uh, you know the, the little dog roll of CT Stud. CT Stud, the England captain when we were good, uh, and uh, cricket, and uh, the England captain, and gave it all up at the pinnacle of his career to go and be a missionary to China, but uh, wrote a famous little dog roll. Two little lines I heard one day, travelling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life. Will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. What will you be left with? And so, really, Isaiah asks us, this book asks us, so what will you trust overall? What will you trust? Verse 18 is the last, excuse me, verse 8 of chapter 39 is the last word we hear from Hezekiah. And it's a bit of a strange one, isn't it? I don't know if you thought that when Christy read it for us. So Hezekiah is told, well, you're going to lose everything. Future generations, your own descendants will be taken off into exile. Uh, They'll be turned into eunuchs. Your own grandchildren or great-grandchildren, that's going to happen to them. And Hezekiah says, well, the word of the Lord you've spoken is good. For he thought, there'll be peace and security in my lifetime. That's not so good, is it? But I won't see it, I'll be God. So, um, great. A little selfish, you might think, from Hezekiah. Now, you need to bear in mind, this is 10 years before his great moment of trust, the sort of triumph of faith that he trusts in the Lord and, and Assyria is defeated. But it's odd when you put these two side by side, in extreme persecution and threat, Hezekiah could trust the Lord, but in seduction and comfort, he didn't. Oh, very interesting. Here's a man who could trust the Lord in persecution, but not in seduction. Oh, I don't think that's uncommon. The Assyrians turn up with an army. Hezekiah says, I trust the Lord. The Babylonians turn up with a treaty, and Hezekiah says, I trust money in you. In the conflict, he's all right. But in the comfort, he's seduced. Trust in the Lord. It's a pattern for your life. It's not just the moments of strife that you need it. And that's how Isaiah wants us to finish with Hezekiah. How selfish. I have peace and security. I'm not going to worry about anyone else. It makes you ask the question for you and me. It can't be an attitude we have, can it? I'll be all right in heaven, not too bothered about anyone else. That can't be right. But I guess here's the point of finishing chapters 1 to 39 of Isaiah, book 1, chapter 40, book 2. You see, you finish book 1, and has, excuse me, Isaiah wants to say, so whom will you trust? You need a better king than Hezekiah. And so now let me tell you chapters 40 to 55 of Isaiah. Let me tell you about another king. 
Let me tell you about a suffering servant who will die for you. Let me tell you about the king you're waiting for. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ. Hezekiah, he's not good enough. Let me tell you about a better king. And of course, you get to the pages of the New Testament and you read the life of Jesus, and he does unfailingly trust in his father. So, I don't know, you might turn to Luke 18, and, and a rich ruler comes to Jesus and says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus is not impressed. He doesn't say, oh, you could be good teacher. <laughs> uh, I like it when people flatter me. He's not impressed. He's not impressed by the man's wealth. Oh, you're a very wealthy man. Well, let me say something nice to you. Maybe you can help me on my ministry. No, he tells him straight. Young man, you love money more than you love the Lord. And until you sort that out, you're not, you have not got eternal life. Oh. See, Jesus trusts God and not money. Oh, you might think of Jesus stood before Pilate and Herod, and there, the, the great political leaders, they're intrigued by him. But Jesus says, I don't want an alliance. I don't need your approval. I'll just trust in my Father. That's all I need. And Jesus is the king we need and the one we can trust. And unlike Hezekiah, he is the one who will never let you down. But of course, the Christian knows the wonderful truth. You may not have a palace of silver and treasure and spices, but in fact, if Jesus is all you've got left, you have the world and you'll inherit the earth. And if you know that, when the question is asked, what do the people see? The answer is, they see Jesus. That's what I want them to see. Let's pray together. Great God and Father, we thank you for this strange account, really, that's put here at the end of this section. And it's not the end of Hezekiah's life, but it's how Isaiah wants us to remember him. A great king, a king of heroic trust in the Lord at points, and yet at other points in his life, a king who trusted money and wealth more than he trusted you. Father, we thank you and we praise you. In the Lord Jesus Christ, we have a king who is who was perfect in his trust, one who knew that in this life, all he needed was you, and now reigns over everything. Father, would we be unlike Hezekiah? Would we trust in you? And knowing in doing that, we have all that we need. And in the future, we have an inheritance beyond anything this world has to offer. Father, would our trust not be in our wealth, not be in political treaties, would our trust be in you, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.